The KOFB Studio presents Milk Crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast hosted by Scott McLean with his co-host, Jack Calabrese. Now, let's talk music. Enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome to uh, Milk Crates and Turntables. Let me bring on my, I'm Scott McLean, Scotty McLean, your host. Let me bring on my co-host, Mr. Jack Calabrese. Hi, everybody. Jamie Good morning, sir. How are you, man? Wow. There he is. Good morning. Okay. <laughs> Good evening. Um, all right. Well, welcome to the show. This is uh, Milk Crates and Turntables, our video podcast, which we are turning into an audio podcast. So things are going to be different, but they're going to be the same. We're going to be more descriptive, so if you hear us describing things, then that's because this is going to be geared toward audio. Uh, For those that are listening, when this becomes a podcast, this airs every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. Live streaming from the KOFB studio over Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and Twitch. So find Milk Crates and Turntables on any of those stations, channels, streaming services, apps, whatever you watch. And uh, let's get this going. Dude, I, I, I don't know, but, you know, I apologize because this isn't right, but every time you say KOFB Studios, I go right to KFC. I just get, I get hungry. <laughs> Hi, Suzanne. Are you, are you, Graf, Stacy? Are you comparing the KOFB studio to KFC? No, which isn't, which isn't a sponsor of this show, by the way. Uh, you know, I've seen some of your podcasts. Some of them are extra crispy. <laughs> ah, touche. Here, your wit is on tonight, buddy. Wit oh, is yeah. on tonight. Um, let's see. First of all, uh, Tonight's topic, we're going to get right into it. Tonight's topic uh, is bands that lost their lead singers and either tried (laughs) tried to replace them successfully or unsuccessfully. So uh, right off the bat, let's go one for one. Okay. I give you one, you give me one. Okay. Because I have three that really annoy me, that really annoy me. So I'm going to start mine with, of all groups, In Excess, huge In Excess fan, Michael Hutchins was one of the consummate lead singers of the 80s and early 90s, if not in a category of maybe the top 20. I think he he commanded a, a presence on stage, his voice, he just was uh, the consummate lead singer. And then the band goes off and does a reality show to try to replace Michael Hutchins. And they come up with this guy, J.D. Fortune. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, if that's not a money grab, I, I don't know what is. Thoughts? Okay, so so here's my perspective on it. First, I agree with you. I mean, you can't replace Michael Hutchins. You know, I mean, he was 
that band. I mean, you know, great looking guy, charisma, great voice, could move on stage, captivating, compelling, you know, all of that. But, it, but here's, here's the thing. You know, he passes away and then the band is left behind. That's all those guys know how to do, really. So, you know, they probably have money thrown at them. They have agents that are, are, that are you know, throwing ideas at them or whatnot. And they're trying to figure out what is our future. I mean, you know, almost in a similar way, like Mark Talent, Cal, we've had conversations and he's like, dude, the stone should hang it up. I was like, well, what are they going to do? <laughs> it's, not, it's not about money. They have enough money. This is what they do. And for NXS, and I'm not, I'm not defending them, Right. Those guys probably found themselves in a place like, what the hell do we do now? Well, I mean, again, do you, do you know your when when do you know your limits? Evidently, they don't. They get they get into this. Uh, we need money. We were we we we're good without them. No, you're not. I mean, I guess they they had a little following from the TV show. If they did it, they did it right. If you're gonna do it, throw it out there. Don't just introduce. You know, somebody out of nowhere. So they kind of yeah, led I, up to this guy, but he's not Michael Hutchins. I, I, mean, we I, all wholeheartedly, know I wholeheartedly agree that they could have you know, scanned the, the entire music world to maybe find a lead singer that maybe it takes them in a different direction. You know, so well, you, know, you think about it, we, we've already seen Van Halen listed a bunch of times on here, right? And, and Van Halen, David Lee Roth was either fired or he quit, depending upon who you, you, know, you listen to. And Sammy Hagar comes on, and not tremendously, but they kind of took the band in, in a little bit of a different direction. I think that NXS could have gone that route. And I think to your point, instead, they took the money grab, they did the reality show, they got some no-name to kind of emulate Michael Hutchins. They... they, they didn't look at it in terms of the long haul, and, and they it was got a it money exactly. grab. If you ask me, it's just yeah, a money it, grab. It, money grab, and it didn't, and it didn't last. It didn't no, last. No. So, give me your one of your uh, candidates. So, so I, I actually kind of created a, a, a list thinking about this because you know there are a lot, of, there are a lot of bands out there that ha- actually lost their lead singer in one way or another, whether they quit, they were fired, or they passed away, or whatnot. And I actually categorized them in terms of bands that actually got better, uh, bands that couldn't carry on, and then bands that carried on probably to a lesser extent. So one band that I think that lost their lead singer that arguably could have been, you know, said to have gotten better is ACDC. Bon Scott passed away. You have Brian Johnson that that stepped into the shoes. Now, for me, I was always a bigger Bon Scott fan, but ACDC had much much greater success with Brian Johnson than with Bon Scott. And I think "Fly on the Wall" was one of their uh, most underrated albums. Yeah, I mean, you know, great, great band. The 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 interesting thing there's a lot of debate out there that their greatest album is is. What ACDC back in black, yeah, back in black, the yeah. biggest, the biggest album. So there, there are a lot of rumors out there that Bon Scott actually wrote the majority, if not all, of that album before he actually passed on. There are actually rumors that there may be demo tapes. I've never heard them, but I, but you know, so 
no, they've, they've never been able to recreate that type of success. You know, they had great album. You know, Fly on the Wall was a great album. They had a bunch of great albums. Right, that yeah. album was was a uh, you know pinnacle for them. But it sustained them for. Gee, they they just released a new record. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, let me get to my next one. Um, <laughs> this one is a damn shame because I actually saw this group back up corn in West Palm Beach, and I had known that I had not wanted to see them, but I said, all right, what the hell? You know, let's go. And it's Alice in Chains. You can't replace Lane Staley's voice, his presence, his heroin addiction. Um, <laughs> but that was part of his aura. That was part of his coolness. I mean, you know, heroin chic, as they say. They come in with, what's the guy's name? Uh, William Duval. Or something. I <laughs> when I saw them live, it was such a disappointment. It, but they just stuck with the guy. Jerry Cantrell, what does a good small handful of the songs, but Lane Staley was the lead singer. He this guy the, couldn't the, hold Lane Staley's microphone stand. He, he was he was the presence of that band. He was the focal point. Oh, Jerry, he, Jerry Cantrell, from what I understand, is the principal songwriter, and he's kind of the engine behind that band. Elaine Staley was that band. Absolutely, I mean the voice, and that's that's one of those things that lead singers do is they with the voice. The voice is connected to the band. Well, you, you know what band that that it's a somewhat similar story that maybe a lot of people don't know is the Doors. So, you know, a lot of people probably don't realize that once Jim Morrison died, do you know that the Doors actually put out two albums after he died? Yeah, with without him. Eric and Robbie yeah. Brady singing? Yeah. You know, I, I think that it may have to, may have been to do with, uh, you know, kind of fulfilling their contract or whatnot. Uh, but, let, you know, let, let, let me interrupt for a second. Dean, uh, if you're talking about Alice in Chains is a great live show, no, it's not. <laughs> Sorry, man. I have to strongly disagree. Well, maybe you just saw him on a bad night. No, I've seen I've seen video, you know, YouTube videos of them live. He just doesn't pull the songs off. He can't pull off Rooster. He can't pull off Nutshell. I mean, Nutshell is one of those you wait for that song. And Lane Staley's voice is so haunting in that song. This guy, that nasally, just that. He hits those high notes, those high, and this guy just can't do it. He, it, the song was shit. It was total shit, <laughs> and that's all I'm gonna say about that. So, so yeah. what, where were you? You know, just to jump back a little bit, where were you on the whole Van Halen thing? Did you have any appreciation for Sammy Hagar? And Van not Van at first. Not at first. I didn't because it was almost like my feelings were hurt. It was like, um, it, it was it was like your parents, you know, get divorced and a stepfather comes in that you just don't like, you know? And I was not a big Sammy Hagar fan before that. His solo stuff, the Red Rider, whatever he called himself. Red Rocker. Red Rocker. See, weren't there you, you go. Weren't you, weren't you and I in the front row for ZZ Top? For ZZ Top? And Sammy Hagar was the opening band. Then. Yeah, and I, I probably, evidently, I don't remember him. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I actually have an appreciation for Sammy Hagar. I liked him in Montrose. I actually liked some of his his solo stuff. And, and quite honestly, I liked some of the stuff that he did with Van Halen. I mean, I was a huge, huge Van Halen fan and a huge David Lee Roth fan. I mean, gave the band that edge. He wasn't the best singer in the world, but he gave that band some grit. And he was a great uh, counter to Eddie Van Halen. And, and really had added a whole different dynamic. Yeah, well, he brought a guitar. He was a, he's a, uh, an established guitarist that always brings something to the table. Now, I was in the Philippines. I was stationed in the Philippines when uh, Best of Both Worlds and uh, Dreams. Uh, what what album was that? Uh, OU812? Yeah. When those, you know, those were good songs. I liked them. They were because the Philippines at that time, downtown was every bar was a big giant video bar you know and that was in heavy rotation those songs and i liked them but i i didn't want to admit it <laughs> i would never admit that i liked them but i grew later on to appreciate it and like it and i actually listen to it now but i fought it tooth and nail well here, here's, here's the way that that i look at it you know the sammy years and the in the you know the dave years it just this is just my opinion. The the Dave years, those albums are iconic. I mean, think about it. Van Halen one, Van Halen two. Oh yeah, yeah. Fair warning, Women and Children yeah. first. All amazing records, and some of them track for track. There's not a bad tune on them. And when you get to the Sammy years, there's some great songs. I'm not sure that there are some great albums there. Now I know that we have Stacy on here. She loves uh, you know Sammy. She actually even mentions Chickenfoot. I actually got to see Chickenfoot live once. And, and again, great, incredibly talented band, super group, if you want to call it, with Joe Satriani, Michael Anthony, and Chad from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But what they didn't have, they didn't have songs. They didn't have great, catchy songs, at least yeah. in my opinion. They were a bar okay. band. They're a good yeah, bar they, band. They were okay. Good party band, right? All right, so who do you get up next? Okay, so so here's a, here's a couple of I'll throw out a bunch. So the, here's here's bands in my opinion that lost their lead singer or the lead singer was replaced, and these bands actually got better. Fleetwood Mac, the original yeah. lead singer was yeah. Peter Green, and then Bob Welch, yeah. and they they actually you know Bob Welch left or he was quitting or something like that, and they brought in. Um, Lindsey Buckingham, Buckingham, and he yeah. actually would only join if his girlfriend could come. Right, right. Made that band a, a ton better. Uh, the Moody Blues, the first Moody Blues album, the lead single was Denny Lane. Right. So they had the hit, you know, Go Now, but they were kind of a pop band. He left, they brought in Justin Haywood. Their second album, and they were probably panicking, like, okay, we don't have Denny anymore. What do we do? They bring in Justin Haywood, and their second album is Days of Future Past. You know, uh, Tuesday afternoon and nights and nights and unbelievable. Van Halen thing, ACDC. Here's one that that I think can be somewhat controversial. Lose your lead singer, bring up the drummer to do the singing. Phil Collins, Genesis, yeah. Genesis, yeah. So you know, Peter Gabriel was you know the principal songwriter and the creative fourth and the lead singer in that band. He decides to leave. And they bring in old Phil off the drums. Now, there are diehard old Genesis fans that are like, are you kidding me? Phil Collins fucking ruined that. Nah, band. nah. But Again, they, had, so they had huge success. You're talking about, yeah, and, and, I, 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 and I, I see why. Because Peter Gabriel was kind of like Dennis DeYoung to Styx. He wanted this theatrical, 
you know, he was into all that. And I, I didn't like that Genesis. I, I never listened to it. I never paid attention to it for that reason. And that was, I was a kid when that stuff was going on. Never liked it. Phil Collins came in, gave it a great, good voice. The drummer singing was always a unique thing, like the Eagles. You know, it's not a common occurrence that the drummer is the singer. So, you know, back then that was kind of like a pretty cool thing. But, I, yeah, I would say that Phil Collins made that group. Now, Peter Gabriel on his own was, you know, great. I don't know. Really good. So's an amazing album. Yeah, and then what? He's, I guess yeah. I'll answer that with so. That <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it may be a product of timing as well. You know, depending upon your perspective, like you and I, you know, the old Genesis, we probably knew the lamb, lamb, lamb lies down on Broadway, and then you know, then you know, Phil Collins steps forward, and you have um, you know, hit after hit in the MTV years and whatnot, and a lot more accessible than the old prog rock that they were doing prior you know, with, with Peter Gabriel. So yeah. you know, definitely more accessible. And I love some of those deeper tracks on some of those, you know, albums like home by the sea, which a lot of people probably don't know is an unbelievable tune. Yeah. Eh. So <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's Phil Collins. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what, oh, see, now you're being, you're being pricky. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, what do you got there? What are you holding? My king of Facebook coffee uh, mug. Oh, uh, he's a good guy. The king's a good guy. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> polish. <laughs> okay. I'm going next with uh, Stone Temple Pilots. I'm a huge Stone Temple Pilots fan, right? I think they got a bad rap at the when they came out uh, with their first album and everyone said, oh, they sound like uh, uh, Pearl, Pearl Jam, yeah. you know? I, I some of those you just can't help that when when if that's his voice that's his voice. Sure. I don't think they went out of their way to sound like Pearl Jam. They were in no. San Diego, you know. Yeah. Um, they tried to replace him with uh, Chester at Bennington. Yeah, yeah. from uh, uh, um, Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Yeah, and okay, that that's a good kind of you know, it's cute. Good for a show here and there. But Scott Wheedlin was another one of those lead singers that can, commanded the whole stage. Did you ever get to see him? Yeah, I saw him twice. I actually worked the concert. Uh, I worked a concert at uh, in Albuquerque at the University of New Mexico. I worked security. I was right at the stage in the pit area. And uh, they, who backed them up? Oh, Cheap Trick backed them up. Wow. Right? So, and I'm right there at the stage. That's another story for another time. But he was all over the place. Polyester suit, bell bottoms, you know, with the, the megaphone. Yeah. He yeah, was great literally dynamic. all over the place. Dynamic like dynamic front man. Just yeah. And then I saw him at the Hard Rock, Hard Rock, in, uh, at the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood. Me and Phil Kelly saw them. By the way, before so, we lose the Dave Phillips, Eric Burden should have joined the Doors, not War. That would have been really interesting, and I think that he could have really pulled it off. Eric Burden, you know, great, great singer. Um, you know, he did amazing things with the animals, and aside from the, the slight thing that he did with War, he didn't really do much. It may have been really kind of interesting, and it, and it 
it begs the question, and it kind of goes back to the NXS thing, is you have a lot of displaced members of bands out there and even lead singers that you could have plugged in instead of the half-ass guy that they brought into NXS. You know, maybe it's a matter of egos, maybe it's a contract thing or, or whatever, but I think that that people could mix things up a little bit and maybe find some real gold. And, you know, in terms of, of Stone Temple Pilots, you know, again, a situation where you have, you know, Scott Wheedland was a, a great, great lead singer, but that band as a whole, you know, the DeLeo brothers, yeah. made fantastic guitar player. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, then they came up, I, I took a note on this one. I never even heard, because I stopped listening to them. Jeff Gutt. So, the, you know, they're digging deep now. They're really trying. Another band that probably just doesn't want to let it go. Maybe they have enough money and they can just kind of get out. They want to get out and tour, put somebody up front, kind of like what Van Halen did with Gary Sharon. Um, but, you know, they'll always be, you know, Scott Whelan's band. Well, and that's the dilemma that they have, right? You know, yeah. no matter what they do, they're going to be compared to the Which shows the greatness, uh, the greatness of, of Scott Whelan. Yeah, I mean, even, even, if, even if you, um, even if, you know, the Stone Temple Pilots with their new lead, new lead singer put out a fantastic album, it's still going to be compared to, you know, the first couple of albums. You know, they're going to be talking about Interstate Love Song or, or you know, Plush or any of those those great songs. And I have to tell, I have to tell you, I agree with you. I think that the Stone Temple Pilots got screwed. I think that the critics ripped them apart as being kind of a grunge copycat band, and I don't think they were. I think they had their own San, thing. The San Diego scene wasn't Seattle. Yeah, it's the opposite end of the uh, of the country, literally. You yeah. know, it's as south of the West Coast as you can get from the north of the West Coast. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, give me another one. Uh, let's see. I, I have my, my little list here. So, um, you know, bands that actually got better after they replaced Iron Maiden replaced their lead singer twice before Bruce Dickinson came on. Yeah. How about, how about the Eagles? So, I mean, yeah, you, you have, you have Glenn Fry. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, saying, take it to the limit. Um, I always forget his name. Randy Meisner. Yeah. Randy Meisner. Yeah. So, yeah. so Randy Meisner and Bernie, Bernie Leiden, I think his, his name were, were the original guys in the Eagles. And Randy Meisner, got, he was a victim of the road. He was doing a lot of coke and whatnot. He messed yeah. up his voice, and I think he got tired of it. And Bernie, I think they just replaced. But talk about a band getting better. They got rid of those guys, and they brought in um, Joe Walsh, and they brought in Timothy B. Schmidt to replace those guys who, you know, carried on with them for far longer and had much, much greater success. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, we're missing, uh, a, a pretty popular one, pretty big one. And we had this, uh, debate on Facebook recently, uh, the Doobie brothers, the Doobie brothers. So, so yeah, you, you had, um, that was a home run both ways. They didn't lose anything. When Tim yeah. Johnson, Tom Johnson? So Tom Tom Johnson was the principal songwriter and lead singer of the Doobie Brothers initially all through those early, early 70s stuff and really kind of built up that band. And then he got tired of it. I'm not really sure what the story was, but they actually got Michael McDonald, who was doing a lot of work with Steely Dan. Steely Dan, yep. 
And there, there are some people that actually think that Michael McDonald destroyed that band with, you know, What a Fool Believes and Minute by Minute. Um, Those are good you know, songs. Those are classic 70s songs, man. Well, you know, they, they won record of the year for, for Minute by Minute. But, you know, those... <laughs> Millie three, Vanilli. Get, okay. You got you to you remember that the Doobie Brothers came out of the, the biker community. They were a hard rock, drug-using, gritty, probably yeah. B.O.-smelling band that turned out a lot of hits. And then all of a sudden, they were really polished you know studio musicians and really really poppy so the modern day version of that is the goo goo dolls but anyway Ah, they they used to be hard rocking and then they they got a hit with one little cute song and then they just kind of went and left their whole audience behind but money will do that money will do that here's here's another band that got better once they got rid of their lead singer pink floyd well yeah yeah sid barrett was was a lo- raving lunatic. So Sid Barrett turned into a lunatic, lost all his hair, yeah, gained 40 pounds and was a total schizo. He was the but, lunatic you know, in the grass. But they 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 brought on David Gilmour and they and then you know he's kind of an interesting thing because they kind of fit two different categories, right? You know, they lose their lead singer in Sid Barrett and they replace him with David Gilmour and they blow up, they turn into one of the biggest bands in the world. And then they lose their other lead singer in the mid-80s, right? They lose Roger Waters. And then you have Gilmore that carries on for a couple of, of albums. And some people would argue the fact that that was a money grab as well. I mean, he, oh, that guy is just fucking so talented, man. Oh, yeah. That, that's why they didn't get along. There was so much talent in one room. So much just genius going on. Um, I want to I jump off subject for a minute. And I want to I want to back up to last week's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame talk. Uh oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know now you've had a, a week to think about it. The freaking Go Go's really. Tell me, tell me, tell me, you were joking. I, I am not. I'm not joking at all. There, there are a band that is worthy of being. In the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, first, oh. and maybe I should save this for, for everyone listening to this. Once it becomes a podcast, my hand is on my forehead, my right hand, and my head is down, and I'm feeling a bit nauseous. So go on, Jack. Being descriptive. Okay. So, so first, I will I will tell you that that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a concept is a bunch of bullshit anyway. True. So th- it is now. It is now. No, not it. It always was. So think about this for a second. Football Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame, Basketball Hall of Fame, right? You're talking about objective standards. Babe Ruth hit this many home runs, stole this many bases. Okay, so Babe Ruth probably didn't steal any bases, the fat fuck. But played in this many games, won this many World Series. It's black and white. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is not objective like that. It's subjective. It's art. So, I mean, you, you think about it. If there was an art Hall of Fame, you know, you could have Michelangelo in there who was an amazing painter. But then you look at Monet, which was a lot looser. And then you look at somebody like Pollock, who just did a bunch of spots. They'd all be in the in the, the Hall of Fame, but all very different in terms of their abilities, right? Oh, oh I have to. I, one, of the, one of our viewers, hi, Marie. Uh, I'm not hating on a girl band. As a matter of fact, I like, I... I 
myself personally, tend to lean toward female singers over male singers. I just like female singers better. I'm not hating on the Go-Go's. Like I said to Jack last week, if it wasn't for MTV, they'd be the no-no's. They would never make it. They would be just another band. I mean, they're no, uh, they're, they're no runaways. They're certainly not the runaways. But the runaways you know? are in. And, and, and there's a lot of and there's there's a there's a lot of other bands before them that, that so they're not groundbreaking in any way, shape, or form. Oh, really, the Go Go's yeah. are the very first all female band to write all of their own songs, play their all all their own instruments that actually were in the Billboard 100. They were in the Billboard 100 because of MTV. No, yes. No. I mean, groups like Haircut 100, do you think they had a goddamn snowball's chance in hell if it wasn't for the video Love Plus One that was in constant rotation on MTV? You'd hey, never hear them. Don't bad talk Haircut 100, man. I'm not. I'm just <laughs> saying you wouldn't hear about them. I, I like them, but... I'm, so so they're putting the go-go's in. You're, okay. What about what about the seminal punk rock band? Considered the first punk rock band. Oh, you mean the Ramones? They're already no. in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, 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 no. No? No. Are you sure? Absolutely. England. They this group released a single. Before the Clash or the Sex Pistols, they went to L.A. They came to America before any of those bands. As a matter of fact, I'm, and I'm giving you a lot of hints here. Mick Jones played for briefly a, a minute in this group. There was a, 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 a kind of a, an offshoot of this group with Chrissy Hind in him in it. Lemmy played in this group at one point. The Damned. Okay, so the Damned isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yet they still tour different makeups, you know, uh, different, uh, you know, it's, it's broken up, they've substituted, they've come through, but uh, where is it? I'm looking for my, I have one... Hold on. But the, 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 the Damned never gained any widespread popularity. I mean, the, the, we have a bunch of people that are joining us tonight. I, I'll give all of the money in my pocket if anybody in the, on, on in our audience can name five Damned songs. But the, the, does that mean that they shouldn't? I mean, name no, no, let, let this audience name five Muddy Waters songs. You know, let this audience name five. You know, uh, you can go down the list of rock and roll how drifters. You know, name five Drifters songs. They're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Damned, and they have one of the most charismatic front men ever. Dave Vanian was the, the dude was the original. He's like the king of goth. He's the original goth guy. So his whole, he came on stage with this Dracula white makeup. And this was unheard of when, when, when they came out. And you got Captain Sensible on guitar, Rat Scabies on drums, you know. And, and he gets the name Rat Scabies because he comes in for a, 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 an audition and, and 
he's scratching. And they said, what's wrong with you? And he said, I have the scabies. So, so, so let, let me let me ask you this. If, so why aren't they in the Rock and Roll Hall, but the Go-Go's are going in? Yeah, but, but they, if they actually had a punk Hall of Fame, would Dan be in it? They should be. They, they probably would be. You know, I, yeah. I think one of the issues is, like, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is not really – the Rock and Roll is such a broad, loose term. And, and let, let's be honest. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame you, is you the Music really, Hall of Fame. It's, it's, it's kind of a money grab. You know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is so Jan Winter can sell Rolling Stone magazines and they can actually get people to go down to fucking Cleveland and pop down $40 so they can walk around and see Michael Jackson's underwear. Yeah, and, and he, so, so, so let me ask you about that. Ah, Gorillas fans. There's my boy. I got to do a break. That's my boy. That's my boy, David. Get back to studying. Anyways, so <laughs> let, let, me, let me ask you this. So the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame... I've never been there, but I'll assume I'll assume it's full of cool shit. It right? is. It is. So do you think the hard rock has just a, just as cool stuff? Have you you've been to a hard rock, right? Many times. Yeah. Some of the stuff they have there is just as good as what's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, and, and some of it is is somewhat duplicated. There there are some really interesting things at the at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, you know, some of the things they, they actually have a piece of the plane that Otis Redding died in. So the 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 hard rock down in in Hollywood, Florida, yeah. Yeah. they have a guitar in there from Dimebag Daryl, right? And it's the most interesting thing because there's a little there's a little like space in the glass. Someone figured this out, and there's all these tickets, all these like uh, slot machine with ten cents on them, and they slip them in there, and it starts to fill up with a. I mean, so I mean, yeah, yeah. The Pantera's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but it's still cool shit. Yeah. To see. Yeah. They got one sure. of Prince's outfits, you know, sure. the whole thing. Sure. They, so, I mean, there's, there's a duplication. I, I think that the the advantage that you have the, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is that you have scale. It's a it's a massive place. So there's a, there's a lot. I mean, you really need to go there a couple of days if you want to read everything, if you want to see everything. You know, like they have, you know, they have, um, you know, the cars from um, the '92 tour for U2. They have part of Pink Floyd's wall. You know. Um, they have, you know, what, the first time that I went there, they had those were Yugos, weren't they? Those cars that they, no, they, they I don't think they were Yugos. I can't remember the name of it. There was some Yugoslavian crazy car. Um, but they, the, the first time that I went there, they actually had a big Beatles thing and they actually had, um, McCartney's <laughs> hold on one second. There's King Crimson again. Thanks, Ralph. I'm not a big fan, anyways. <laughs> big big prog rock band, you know, great band. John Wetton, John Wetton left King Crimson or got fired from King Crimson. What did he start? He was in Asia. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah, the final countdown. Right? Yeah, yeah. Heat of the moment. Maybe they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame too, next to the Go Go's. The Go Go's deserve to be in the Rock and Roll no, Hall don't. of Fame. They were not, a groundbreaking before- band. No, no, they weren't. They were, they were a groundbreaking band in terms of. Um, are the Bengals in? Are the Bengals in? No, but maybe. They but didn't be. the Bengals? 
blow them away as far as record sales. Uh, they blew them away as far as uh, number one hits or top ten hits. Uh, they I did. So. Um, I don't think so. We'll, we'll then we'll pick those details up. They, next, they, they next may have they may have had more success with Manic Monday written by Prince. Yeah, and walk and walk like an Egyptian. But I think that the Go Go's put out more records and probably were around a little bit longer. Going down to Liverpool, Robert De Niro was calling. I, the the Bengals they have more hits, I guess, than you think they do. Their, their first album is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I have the greatest hits. But you know what? One of my favorite greatest hits albums is by female band. The Go Go's, huh? The Go Go's? No, Banana Rama. <laughs> Maybe they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're groundbreaking. They, they were not groundbreaking. How they, they, have, groundbreaking? they have a great Greatest Hits album. I can tell you that. How, how were they groundbreaking? You're, you know, you're arguing. You're, I'm, I'm being sarcastic. You're being upset. You're an idiot. <laughs> I think I broke you. I think I just broke you for a second <laughs> there. <laughs> the... Uh, I, I think that the Go-Go's absolutely belong there. They've been around for a long time. They're still kind of around, you know, right, right now. You know, so they've had longevity. They've had album sales. You know, they, they actually opened for the Sex Pistols on the West Coast when they did that, you know, terrible tour that they did. Um, you know, and again, you know, being that first female group that broke that line. So, how about, so, so how about Heart? Heart's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, okay. So I don't pay much attention to them. <laughs> I was I was bringing up Bob McGrath's point and Marie uh, uh, Marie's point. No, Hart is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and absolutely belongs. So if they already broke ground, what what what, brown, what ground did the Go Go's break? It was an all female group that played all of their own instruments that wrote all of their songs. I mean, look, look, I'm not taking. So did the monkeys? Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I'm not, I'm, not talking, I'm not taking anything away from Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll. No question about it. But he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You know how many songs he wrote? None. Yeah, Frank Sinatra, the same way. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. They they were, didn't, he didn't write any songs, he but he was a song. He, they, they, they could sing them. That was the thing. They knew what they had. It was all about their voice. Yeah. So... All right, uh, let's get back to – so uh, just to sum this up, we'll get back with the Bengals in comparison to the Go-Go's and number ones, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I have to tell you, song for song, I'm a bigger Bengals fan than I am a Go-Go's fan. Yes. Especially yes. Their first, the, the first Bengals album, really before they hit it, and going down to Liverpool was, was on that, that first record. is a fantastic record, song for song, track for track, Side to side, there's not a bad tune on it. And I think they're hotter, too. Not sure. Susanna Hoff or Belinda Carlisle? Uh, no question. You make Susanna the call. Hoff. Susanna yeah. Hoff? Yeah. Okay. All right. here's, a, here's a simple fact, though. You know, Susanna Hoff, Belinda Carlisle, not a fucking chance with either of them. Maybe not you. <laughs> <laughs> I think my wife is prettier anyway. They as don't have Ms. a chance with me. How's that? As is Miss Deb. <laughs> so, you know, we, we talked about groups that have lost their lead singers that have either gone on to success or not, not gone to success. 
you know, you have a whole category of bands that lost their lead singer and just went down. I, and I think you made a great example with Alice in Chains. I think I think you can say the same for Sublime. I think oh, yeah, you can say yeah, the same yeah. For, you know, Blind Melon, you know, pretty much kind of, you know, folded in after that. Yeah, that was it. You know, yeah, you weren't going any further with Nirvana after, you know, Kurt Cobain was. So how, how great was Nirvana? If you really break it down to think about it, think about it. How great was Kurt Cobain? When Dave Grohl is your drummer. Yeah. Dave but, Grohl, but, arguably one of the most talented musicians in the world, is your drummer. Yeah. <laughs> That's how talented. And, and, and Kurt Cobain is up there in that category of the Beatles. People just take it for granted because it's so good, so consistent, that you just don't, you stop listening to the greatness, and it's just Nirvana. It's just the Beatles. Well, you, you know what the comparison is to a certain extent. You have Dave Grohl in Nirvana. It's almost like the Beatles with George Harrison. Now, George Harrison, they let him put a song here or there. Yeah, that was a but, fight. Uh, but but as soon as as soon as the Beatles broke up, he you know put out all things must pass. You know this hidden talent that was in the background for years, just like Dave Grohl was. I mean, that was Kurt Cobain's vehicle. Where, don't you know, don't take any credit. Don't take anything away from Ringo. No, 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 I don't. No more. <laughs> not not groundbreaking. What? Ringo is groundbreaking. Come on. He was you more know, groundbreaking than the Go-Go's. I, I, I'd, have to check, I'd have to check that. But, you know, Ringo was probably in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with the Beatles. Is he in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a solo no, artist? No, no, I don't think so. He, he might be. I don't know. He might be. Know. We'll have to check that. But that. What yeah. do you get when you mix when you mix Ringo Starr with Belinda Carlisle? What do you got? Ringo go. <laughs> I'm turning my camera off. This is... <laughs> so so here's here's you know we, we we talk about this and we kind of keep it in the rock category, but there's a couple of bands on you know the soul side or the Motown side that actually lost their lead singers and went on to a certain degree of success and maybe not a certain degree of success. So at one point you had the temptations where the lead singers were um, uh, David Ruffin and Eddie Kendrick. And those guys, those those guys left and they actually brought in a guy by the name of Dennis Edwards. And a lot of people wrote off the temptations, but with Dennis Edwards, they did, can't stop losing you. Ball of confusion, and Papa was a Rolling Stone. Yeah, and then you know another band, the Commodores. You actually had Lionel Richie that left. Yeah, and you had a guy by the name of I think I have it written here somewhere. Uh, maybe I don't have it written here. They they actually brought in uh, another guy named um, J D Nichols. Now the Commodores never lived up to their you know glory in in the past. But with this guy, J.D. Nichols, they actually put out the song Night Shift, where the Commodores, for the very first time, won their only Grammy Award. Yeah, yeah, yep. I'll go in that category and say uh, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Teddy With the one and only, Teddy. (laughs) It actually started, it went from Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes to Teddy, Teddy Pendergrass. With Harold Melvin in the blue notes, and then Teddy just went on his way. So, so be it's honest. Transvestite day, history. That back in the day, did you think that gravelly voice of Teddy Pendergrass was actually Harold Melvin? I did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nobody, because he was just the singer. You know, yeah. 
he was just the singer and but in Harold Melvin, it's kind of like Jay Giles. Did everyone that didn't know outside of Boston, did they think Peter Wolf's name was Jay Giles? Yeah. You know, that's Jay, those. By the way, do you remember there were a couple of years where the Jay Giles band actually toured without Peter Wolf? Would you ever go pay money to see that? No, no, yeah. no. And I was always wondering, by the way, which which one is pink? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh oh, wait, what? We got... do, you, do, you know, do you know who sang that? Uh, it was a folk singer, a guy by the name of, if I remember correctly, Roy Harper. They actually brought in to sing that song for you know Pink Floyd. And that's not, that's actually not the only song. Great Gig in the Sky was not sung by any member of Pink Floyd either. No, that was a big deal. Uh, she took them to court. I know her name because that's my favorite, pretty much my favorite song off that album. She took them to court and eventually got a writing credit for it. So they, she had a lot of money coming to her. Yeah. They kind of, they told her go in there and just, just go with it. And that was all, again, a one taker and went into, you know, music history with that one. So let me bring up. By the way, before before we get too far away from it. So Dave Phillips actually just uh, mentioned Peter Wolf. If you're looking for something different to listen to, the first two Peter Wolf solo albums. No, wait a minute. Not the first two. There's, 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 I think it's the third and the fourth. Peter Wolf's solo albums are fucking fantastic. He he wasn't bad. Yeah, he wasn't bad on his own. It's just he so didn't get... He did, he did the first two albums that, that were kind of MTV and goofy pop and, and whatnot that were really terrible. But then he got into his kind of soul and rhythm and blues. And there, there are two albums, and the, the names escape me. I'll remember them for the next time. But they're absolutely fantastic. Who replaced them? The, the, the guitarist started singing. What's his name? Seth Justman. Yeah, Seth Justman. He did okay, okay, not spectacular. He carried it, but couldn't carry it for a long time. No one was really going to buy into that. So speaking of Boston bands that lost their lead singer and tried to carry on, <laughs> the new cars oh. with Todd Rundgren trying to replace Rick O'Casey. Number one, you couldn't go on without Ben Orr anyways. Yeah. You know, I the, and the, hi, Joanne. Um, there's, there's a, uh, there's a big debate about, you know, who had better songs. And I've put that out there a couple of times, Ben Orr or Rick Ocasek, ben, you know, ben uh, was, was, was a much better singer and very underrated. Cause Rick Ocasek for some reason got the credit for being the lead singer of the band. He so, was, so just, just, just as a slight tangent, one, one of my awesome, most favorite concert stories Sullivan Stadium, uh, David Bowie, um, you know, the, one of the tours that he actually did in the, in the late 80s, I was actually down on the floor, general admission and whatnot, and I stood next to It ben wasn't Orr. Serious Moonlight Tour, right? No, it was the one after that. Okay. So it was the, it was the Glass Spider Tour. Glass Spider Tour, yeah. He had, he had Peter Frampton playing guitar, and he was playing yeah. more obscure stuff. And I actually had Ben Moore literally right next to me watching the show. Really? With, with his, you know, model girlfriend at the time. He was wearing an all leather, you know, suit. And I was like, hey, Ben Moore. I really like the cars. I, I yelled at Steven Tyler when he was walking up Washington Street at lunchtime. When he was walking and I just yelled at him. You know, hey, Steven. And he ducked away like, uh that's when Aerosmith, that was the early 80s when they really kind of, they disappeared for a little while. 
So I'm just trying to top you, but I guess not. <laughs> no. 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 Not at all. Um, so what else are we going to go? Oh, okay. Then you have the, uh, the, the, the Black Sabbath disaster after Ozzy. So, you know, so Sabbath, you had Dio, Sabbath. Ian Gillen from Deep Purple. Deep Purple tried to step into those shoes too. It didn't really roll too well. Oh, so I will say that I that I saw James Dio on the Black and Blue tour, like almost everybody. In I did too, blah, and it was. And, and, and there's there's a couple of good songs that Ronnie uh, James Dio did. You know, Neon Nights is a great tune. Uh, Heaven and Hell is a great tune. The Mob Rules is a good tune, but not much beyond that. By the way, you know, I'm here in Ports, uh, just outside of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. That's where Ronnie James Dio is from. A lot of people thought he was English. He was from Portsmouth. New Hampshire. Well, there you go. So visit then, his then childhood they, home. Then they all, then they took that turn and they did that short tour with Ian Gillen from, um, you know, Deep Purple, which was just terrible. And then they smartened up and they actually brought Ozzy back and made a fortune. The, the, the first time that they actually got back to Ozzy was that. Okay. So they brought so one of the big features was Black Sabbath with Ozzy Osbourne in Philadelphia at like ten o'clock in the morning, and what I heard, and I think that you can probably go online and see see this, is that the members of Black Sabbath, so Iommi, Bill Ward, and Geezer Butler, actually served. They actually told Ozzy Osbourne that they were suing him for doing their songs five minutes before they went on set uh, on stage at Live Nation. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, huh? Yeah, <laughs> but he went out there and he he did that thing. Yeah, I again, uh, that's that's one of those. Well, I'm I'm here. What am I gonna do? I, I mean, that happened to uh, Tears for Fears before. Yeah. That's why they didn't play Live Aid. The band yeah. the band wanted a piece of the action. They're like, no. They're like, all right, good luck. Yeah, we're done here. But you know, they, you know that and they're right. Some band and kind of smartened up and actually, you know, brought them brought them back. Um, you know, the Black Crows are back together. Van Halen brought back David Lee Roth, which was a mistake. Uh, the Doobie Brothers brought, yeah, they brought back Tom Johnson. Tom John, like Michael McDonald has not. Really and I think a lot of these bands do this because they want to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They think that it has credibility now, and part of that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame criteria is to longevity touring you know how long were they together uh the the catalog you know whatever there then there's all subjective stuff after that well I, you know? I think i think that i think that you may be right that they may aspire to you know get that notoriety of the rock and roll hall of fame but i i think that the the bigger reason you know you talk about a guy like tom johnson from the doobie brothers i think that you know he's out of the band and all of a sudden i mean what's he going to do is he going to go into carpentry or you know, is he going to, you know, be a computer, you know, operator or working in an insurance company? He's a rock Yeah, roller. because and that's what a lot it. of rock stars did when they were they when they were done. That yeah, the so beauty of that. Where are they now? VH1, one of the greatest shows they ever produced. Yeah, where so are they, they, they now? Want, they want to do what they want to do, and then the other thing is they want to get paid. Yeah, they want to get paid, and these guys don't want to stop playing either. It's not like they. Uh, so, so along, along the lines of bands that want to get paid, 
So I, I have a list here. So so here's bands that that actually lost their lead singer and maybe sh uh, shouldn't have carried on, right? So Chicago lost Peter Cetera, carried on with whomever they they carried on with. Foreigner, who's singing lead? They're still torn. Who knows who yeah. it is? Yeah. In excess, they're still torn. Survivor, Boston, Sticks, Foreigner, Queen with Adam Lambert, Jefferson, you know, Starship, Sublime. Alice in Chains. All of those bands are still on the road with these no names because the other guys in the band need to make a living. Yeah. They're not, they're not making relevant music, but there are people that just want to go out there, have a good time, and hear those songs live again. Yeah, and, and they don't know, like somebody had said, oh, I'm going to see Alice in Chains. I said, ah, they're no good without Lane Staley. Why? What did he sing? Yeah, they, they like, don't know any better. They don't know any better. They don't so know I, any I think better. It was, I think it was 1996. I actually went down to Great Woods or whatever it was called at the time, and I actually saw the sellout tour of the Sex Pistols with Glenn Matlock. So it was the, the actual the original lineup before Sid Vicious came out. And I had friends that said, why would you go and see that? I was like, you know what? I, I never got an opportunity to see the original band. Yeah. Now I have an opportunity to see Steve Jones and, and Johnny Rotten and Glenn Matlock and Paul Cook play those songs. Why not? It's, you know, it's 30 bucks. Who cares? Well, that's, 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 that's the situation with the damned for the first time. They're all getting back together and they're, they're going to do a, a quick tour in July, 2021, you know, uh, you know, Captain Sensible, uh, Dave, uh, uh, I always forget. I can't fucking remember his name for the life of me. Anyways, they're getting together. Uh, unfortunately, it's in England. <laughs> so, yeah. They do these tours. And the original lineup is always good to see. But it doesn't always make it good either. Yeah. You know? Van Halen was a good example. I asked somebody that went to... Uh, I asked my friend Phil Kelly who went to the Van Halen with David Lee Roth... And I said, how was, how was David Lee Roth? He said, it's like Dolly Parton's shoes. Yeah. And I said, what do you mean by Dolly Parton's shoes? He says, who looks at Dolly Parton's shoes? Yeah. <laughs> In other words, it wasn't about him. They just wanted to see Eddie Van Halen play. Yeah. You know. Hey, listen, Scotty, I got I to gotta sign off. I got to go. Yeah, no problem. Bye, I will talk to you. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. All right, buddy. All right. Well, I guess we'll wrap this up. Let me uh, go through some of the more some messages here that we didn't get to see. Uh, I think I flashed them. The Eagles. Yep. Let's see. America. Yep. What's up, Mark Flynn? Uh, this was. This is. This is arguable. It's arguable, but it, it's. 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 Or debatable. But you know. What do we got? That's why Bad Company rocks with Paul Rogers. That's another band. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, great show. Thank you, Stacy. Thank you. Uh, Marie, thank you very much. Bob McGrath, thank you. So, again, uh, in, I'm going to wrap this up, but this show is a, a video podcast. It's getting uh, transferred into an audio podcast. It airs every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. Milk Crates and Turntables. You can find it on Twitch, YouTube Live, Facebook Live. It's, uh, again, so if you're listening to this as a podcast, you can tune in, find it on any streaming device or any uh, format you use, computer, phone, 
like I said, Twitch, Facebook Live, YouTube Live. It's uh, it's going to be an audio podcast for those that are watching right now. And that's it. That's that's what I got for tonight. I appreciate everybody's participation. Uh, unfortunately, Jack had to cut out, but we'll be back next Wednesday night, nine o'clock. Milk crates and turntables, music, music, and only music. No politics, no bullshit. And uh, that's it, guys. I want to say thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next Wednesday night.